From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. Welcome back once again to another episode of The Revealing. My name is Robert Engel, and I am here with Pastor Frank Salvaggio, One Baptist Church, Jacksonville. Uh, you've been with us for quite some time. You already know all that. Uh, but we are grateful once again to be able to be here uh, sitting at the table uh, with the book open um, amongst brothers here. And we're grateful that you have decided to, to take a listen here. Uh, if it wasn't uh, for you out there tracking with us, then it would just be us talking, uh, which we would love, uh, but we love it even more that you are uh, right there with us. And, you know, we do pray that the Lord is uh, not just using this for your benefit, uh, but ultimately using it for his glory. And uh, I know that uh, we here at The Revealing um, are very blessed by it, and we do benefit from it uh, as far as just the encouragement and the opportunity to get around the Word and, and to talk Bible. And and so we hope by extension you are blessed by it as well. Uh, so I'm here once again with uh, Pastor Frank Savaggio, as I said, and uh, last episode, uh, if I recall, we started on this venture, this conversation uh, regarding glorification, the third phase uh, of salvation, and uh, we unpacked really just some some fundamentals. And, and if you heard it, maybe you were thinking, "Man, those didn't seem like fundamentals. That was that was ran pretty deep." Uh, but man, praise the Lord! That that's the book. And so we we just really unpacked. Uh, Frank, what glorification is, um, understanding that in order for us to get to that glorification stage, of course, we have to be justified. Um, but then the sanctification stage determines how that glorification stage unfolds. Yeah. And uh, what we mean by that is uh, how our judgment at the judgment seat of Christ goes, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We talked a, a great deal about that last episode. Um, but not just for us, but remember, we are working uh, the, the sanctification stage in this church age. We are, are preparing ourselves for that judgment, and that affects not just ours, but his glory. Or, or in other words, the, our ability to glorify him, uh, both here and and then. And so uh, I do hope we made it very practical uh, for you uh, because um, it, it can get pretty theoretical, uh, but don't don't think that just because we, we talk a lot of doctrine here at the revealing that it, it's not that, that it's without application uh, because hmm. that is not true at all. Uh, so uh, it was a great uh, conversation we had, Frank, and I'd love to continue it. Um, and so maybe just to kind of uh, kick us off, um, we we were talking about that glorification phase, and we were talking about the implications of it and all of that. Um, but once we get to that point of the th that glorification stage, it, it's the final removal of sin, right? We, we get new bodies. Mm -hmm. um, it's the, the, the final removal of sin uh, after the judgment seat of Christ, after that judgment process. Um, okay, then what? Like, so we we, we get the, the judgment process there. We talked about that last time and, and, and what, um, what determines that, and that's the justification and the sanctification. So we're in the glorification, and, and that's taking place. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, and now what? What does that look like? Um, you know, I, th I think First Corinthians chapter 15 uh, would be a good place for us to go to, to unfold some of that, because Paul definitely um, outlined some, some things uh, regarding glorification and our new bodies and whatnot. So, so, so let's go there, and let's talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians 15 and, and what, what God reveals to us there as far as glorification is concerned. Yeah, so uh, obviously 1 Corinthians 15, um, do take note, uh, the, the chapter starts out uh, talking about um, the justification phase, the gospel, <laughs> amen, okay. um, amen, and, and that is the the only true way 
of obtaining justification. Yeah. Uh, so if we were going to make sure that we wanted to uh, understand what true salvation looks like, uh, you know, Paul says in Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. salvation. Uh, so um, the gospel of Christ, and do note, uh, the, 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 we have to be careful because there are false gospels being preached. Uh, Paul uh, warns of that in Galatians. Correct. Uh, so uh, we want to make sure that we are we have the biblically correct gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we're not preaching another gospel. We're not preaching another Jesus. We're not preaching another spirit uh, or receiving another spirit. Uh, and again, notice how it's receiving, receiving something. Mm. Okay. What are you receiving? Mm. Um, and so... Um, yeah. Paul starts this chapter uh, talking about that justification phase. And that's no mistake. I mean, no. you have to have the justification if you're going to be glorified in the first place. So that's just and, cool how the Lord did yeah. that. And, and you're going to notice that he ends this chapter with the sanctification mm-hmm. phase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, just, just you know, if you happen to be listening and you're going, ah, oh, you guys are a bunch of nuts. Well, oh, <laughs> maybe so, but <laughs> maybe so. But if we are, Paul is too, because we're just telling you what Paul's saying. I'm here. okay with that. <laughs> okay, yep. If, I, if I'm a nut like Paul, I'm, we're, we're in good ground here. Uh, but, but notice, uh, he kind of goes through the gospel there in the first uh, seven or eight or so verses, and he kind of shifts the conversation. Uh, to talking about how we were all dead in dead in Adam and, and and how Christ is the is the second Adam and if he didn't raise from the dead then we're all men and most miserable yeah so he kind of goes through that whole process of the resurrection and it's a it's a confirmation of the reality of the resurrection in our lives if there is no resurrection then let's go just do whatever we want because this is all a big waste of time. Sure. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, Christianity is built on the resurrection. You take the resurrection away, you don't have Christianity anymore. Um, and, and so then he gets down to about, let's say verse 34. Um, and he says, uh, right. Awake to righteousness and sin not. And I would say now he's starting to, to shift the, 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 the thought pattern. How do you awake to righteousness and sin not? wait a minute, I thought we were all sinners. How do we do that? Well, you do that in the sanctification phase. That's why John can say th- some of the things that he says in 1 John when he talks about um, how, you know, listen, a- as Christians, although we are sinners, we don't have to sin. Mm. We have the ability to not, we have the Lord in us. We we have that ability. Yeah. How that's going to happen and how you're going to allow that to manifest in your life is based on the sanctification Yeah, phase. that's a different story. Yeah, it's a different that's story. That's up to you. But you would have that capability. Yes. But he says, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Okay, so here now he's going to start talking about what happens in the tail end of that glorification phase, if you will. Um uh, after the judgment phase, you know, then you got this glorification phase. He says, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. Uh, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another fishes, and, and another of birds. There are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of terrestrial is another. There's one glory, interesting word to use right there, of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars uh, for one star different from another star in glory. Now, now by the way, mm. just want to stop and say something real quick on that. Who does the sun, who does the sun picture in the Bible? Uh, Christ. Hmm. Yeah. There's one glory of the sun. Mm-hmm. What does the moon picture in the Bible? The church. <laughs> There's another glory of the church and then the stars. Mm. And notice what it says there. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And another glory of the star for one star differeth from another star. Well, I wonder why one star would differ from another star. Well, because that just depends on the glory that they get. So let me ask you a question there. Uh, so we're saying that the moon is a picture of the church, and that's proved out biblically. Um, but the the stars. So so is that also the church? Is that also individual believers? Um, would we say that the moon is the church as a whole, and then the stars could represent individual believers? Or uh, I would I would surmise that that's probably true because when you go to Revelation chapter one, 
Okay, so let's let's cross reference here. Correct. Uh, it, you remember how Jesus has the the seven gold golden yep. candlesticks and the stars, and those he's in the midst of the candlesticks. And what is the candlesticks picturing? The church. And then what are the stars? Oh yeah, it's the angels over the churches. See? So um, I would surmise that what uh, what he's trying to get at here is is that because he's the stars represent uh, certainly uh, 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 angels through the Bible, correct? But there are going to be some angels. The judgment is going to go different than other angels, mm-hmm. right? So the practical application there can certainly yeah. uh, be applied to us. And as we are in Christ, we when we receive Him. He gives us the power to be called sons of God. Absolutely. Um, which those sons of God were an angelic being in Job Absolutely. 38 there. So. And so are all angels going to have the same? No. So the same thing would, so so therefore, if we're going to really dig into this, that would mean we are all going to have the same either. Does that mean that we're not all, you know, that, that, that if we are truly born again Christians, we're not going to be in heaven or be with him? And No. Just means that one's going to defer from the other. Yeah. Gotcha. I heard it once, and and this this is more of a more flippant than anything, right? Uh, I'm certainly not suggesting this. I just heard somebody say this once, and I kind of chuckled. You know, so, some of us are going to be sitting at the table eating a steak dinner with Jesus, while while the other people are out back there cleaning the mm, cleaning the toilets. Right? Yeah. You're all there. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> but wh- where would you rather be? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, again, flip it. Makes but, makes the point. But but the point is made there. Okay, and then it says there, verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. So in other words, uh, death uh, is, 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 it comes because of sin, Correct. which is corrupt, right? It is raised mm. in incorruption. Amen. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Okay, there's that word. Okay, it is sown in weakness. It is raised in power, uh, by the way, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the mm-hmm. power of God unto salvation. Mm-hmm. What did God do? He got rid of that old man and he raised it a new man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, Amen. Amen. I'll get the, get the, the spiritual implications there. It, it is sown a natural body, which is what we have right now. It is raised a spiritual body. Mm-hmm. There is a natural body. There's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man was Adam. He was made a living soul. That was uh, uh, as when he fell, uh, he became a natural body. Okay. And that's why he yeah. had to die. So because of that sin, like he, he went, I guess we could say it backward. Like yeah. like here, Paul is talking about being sown in the natural and being raised a spiritual, going mm-hmm. from the natural to the spiritual. Whereas Adam was spiritual, yeah. correct? As a son of God. Then and fell. then once his sin went then to natural. natural. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is uh, true. And then, and then it says, uh, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And of course, the last Adam is Jesus Christ, and that quickening means he he made alive, mm-hmm. right? Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. So in other words, Adam was not spiritual; he was natural, right? And afterward, that which is spiritual—that's Jesus. Yeah. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And so, listen now, if if, if you're listening right now and you think that all people were born in the image of God, pay attention to what he's saying right now. Watch what Paul says. As is the earthy, such are also they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy. Mm. See, we we bear the image of who? When we're born, we bear the image of man. Of Adam. Of Adam, exactly. Of Genesis 5.3. Do, yeah. do we bear the image of God? No. No. And that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm, I'm glad you went there because as you're reading this, I'm thinking, okay, he went from his spiritual yep. to a, a natural. Mm-hmm. And, and so Genesis 5 comes along and we see that he began to uh, um, bear sea or uh, began to um, bear sons in his image, yeah. not after God's. Right. And so Romans 5.12 tells us that Sin is entered the world, and death by sin, and so mm-hmm. death passed upon all men. So, of course, we've inherited that image. What image? Well, not God's, right? Because it wasn't a spiritual being no. that we came from. Mm-hmm. It was from a physical being, and, yeah. and so we have to be made into spiritual beings. The the uh, being reborn, being born again, John chapter three. Absolutely. So, 
when you get born Perfect. again, then what happens, and by the way, when you get born again, you just don't all of a sudden have the image of God. Mm-hmm. You have to bear, mm-hmm. you just don't bear the image of God all of a sudden. No, that's what the sanctification process is all about so that you can learn how to bear the image of God mm-hmm. so you can become more like him. Yeah. Okay. Christ-likeness. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but it says there, now, now, um, uh, as is the earthy, such are the also the, that are the earthy, verse 48, and as in the heavenly, such are the also the, that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, I mean, come on, man, just, we, there's nothing to argue here. It's flat out. Paul is laying this out for us. Yeah. We also shall bear the image of the heavenly. Well, when do we bear the image? Who is the express image? Of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. So, did we bear that image the day we were born? Absolutely of course not. not. Then, why would we need to be saved? What was the cross for? Absolutely. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, the 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 natural man, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Neither does corruption inherit corruption. Now, go to First Corinthians two. And start figuring out, well, what can inherit the kingdom of God? It's the spiritual man that inherits the kingdom of God. What does Jesus say to Nicodemus? Uh, you must be born again. To what? To see the kingdom of God, ah. to enter into ah, it. So, so now yeah. we know Now we know exactly what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 3. Right. Okay. And now, he, now he's talking about one of those mysteries. You know, the one, one of those mysteries that... Uh, that uh, that uh, we need to know about. Mm. Uh, that, so obviously this is an important thing because we're going to be held accountable to this, right? Uh, this is the mystery of the rapture. And look what he says. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now listen, he's not talking about taking a nap. Okay, he's talking, when he's talking about sleep there, he's talking about die. He, we shall not all die. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Mm. Okay, uh, so in other words, there are some on planet Earth that one day, when the Lord's trumpet sounds, they aren't going to die. They're just going to be caught up. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you get around it. It yeah. flat out says it right here. Yeah. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Yeah. So, so now understand, there's going to be a day. I don't care if you're saved or you're not saved. Uh-huh. There is coming a day where you're going to be changed. Now. We aren't going to talk about what happens to those that get changed at the uh, Great White Throne. If we talked about that, we would be talking about vile bodies turned into worms and things like that. Okay, We aren't going to talk about that, but we are talking about what happens to somebody who is a Christian. So just so we're clear, we're talking about the rapture of the church here. Absolutely. Being translated, absolutely, but not falling asleep or not dying, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, if you compared this passage right now with First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, uh, verses thirteen through eighteen, if I remember correctly, hmm. um, you're going to see a lot of correlations. Definitely, here, right? And it says, "In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I don't know how fast that is, but sounds like it's pretty fast to me." At the last trump, and please understand, he's not talking about the seven trumpets of Revelation, okay? Just be clear on that. Um, I would like to take the time to talk about what he is talking about, but I'm not going to. Uh, note, note this, that the, 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 the fifth feast of the Lord is the feast of trumpets. Trumpets. And what is that? What is uh, the feast of the Lord has uh, uh, its attention on? The seven feasts of the Lord has their full attention on Israel. Mm. Right now, Israel is blinded. Okay. Daniel's 70th week, when Daniel's 70th week begins, it begins at the rapture of the church or somewhere very close after that. So what? When the trumpet sounds, God's turning his attention back on Israel. By the way, when God assembled his people Israel and called them to an assembly, there were two trumpets that were blown. Correct. Okay. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Don't jump to Revelation and start talking about how the last mm-hmm. trump is the seventh. Because now what you've effectively done is you've put the church in the in the mm-hmm. in the in the in the tribulation, and that's yeah. that's that's very poor exegesis of scripture. Definitely <laughs> not rightly dividing properly. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, in a moment, in the twinkling eye, the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal, we have a mortal body right now, mortal means it can die, must put on immortality. So once you get changed, you're immortal. By the way, Mm. just because I love to do little buddy hoes sometimes, this proves Enoch cannot be one of the two witnesses because he was translated. He put on immortality. What happens to the two witnesses? Well, they die. Oh, so, well, you got a problem there. Yeah. If you think Enoch's one of the two witnesses. Yeah. Uh, you better you better solve that little dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> have fun with that. Anyways, uh, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, praise the Lord. Death is swallowed up in victory. And, mm-hmm. and what is death? Separation. <sighs> Understand what it is. And who is hell and death? See, when you're separated, yeah. who are you with? Yeah. Understand what death really is. Mm-hmm. Okay. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is what? It's sin. Sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Why? Because the law is our schoolmaster. Correct. To bring us to Christ. Galatians. But, yeah. but thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is victory in Jesus, Amen. my Savior forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now he says all of this. Now, remember, how did we start the chapter? With justification. And now we just talked about what that glorification process. And now Paul says, hey, therefore... Okay. After everything I just, I told, I told you about justification. I told you about the glorification process. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Mm. What's that? What's he talking about there, brother Robert? Well, that would be sanctification, the work of the Lord, yeah. as we said last episode, yeah. uh, winning yeah. people to Christ, building them and sending why, them. Why would, why would he say that? Why does that even, if you're just going to get glorified and everything's going to be hunky-dory, why, why did he go there? Mm-hmm. No, he went there because he said, hey, you want that glorification process to end well for you? Be steadfast. Yeah. Be abounding always in the work of the Lord. Yeah. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to, well, I love that word steadfast. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just telling you, man, you know, people uh, probably look at me sometimes and, man, they just be like, yo, bro, you're just way too, you know, why why are you so uh, whatever? This is why. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't benefit me. Understand, I get no benefit out of what you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only benefit I get is, 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 is that I told you. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to help you. <laughs> I'm trying to help you because this is going to happen to every single one of us. And I just don't want anybody to turn around and look at me and go, why don't you tell me? Yeah. I did tell you. Yeah. You just didn't want to listen. Yeah. You, you know. And, 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 and as far as, you know, the, the church is concerned and the glorification, yeah, we get new bodies. And, okay, <laughs> that we're changed. But as you alluded to a minute ago, those that reject the gospel, well, they change as well. Yeah. They go to a judgment as well. It's not a glorification, mind you, but there is a change, and it is eternal. Yep. And, and as you said, what, what did you? How did you phrase it? Um, uh, it's everlasting fire and destruction. Uh, worms. Well, know what Jesus calls it. Yeah. When yeah. The worm dieth not. Dieth not. Yeah. And, and so that sounds lovely, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So I mean, we're, we're all gonna. That just it, it's. It illustrates what Paul said, I think it was in 2 Corinthians 4, there around verse 18, um, about how um, that which is physical is temporal, and that which is spiritual is eternal. Right, it says, for our light affliction, uh, correct, uh, uh, which is but for a moment, yeah. uh, worketh for us a far more exceedingly weight of glory. Yeah. Isn't that what he says? Mm-hmm. Uh, eternal weight of glory, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right, it's temporal. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, going off of what we talked about last time, our light affliction, what's he talking about? It's that, it's that, it's that persecution. It's that, it's that, uh, 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 
all who will live godly will suffer. It, it, yeah. it, it's it's like we were talking about when I was talking about that those stages of the closer you get to your doctoral degree, the the, the harder things get. Yeah, absolutely. It, and what Paul's saying is, yeah, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt like heck right now, because you are gonna have to give up some things, and I might say a whole lot of things that you're selfish for. That are going to hurt you, that are gonna you're going to deem hurtful, but don't you know mm-hmm. that they far outweigh in the weight of glory mm-hmm. the rewards you're gonna receive for doing so? Mm-hmm. Don't you understand? Yeah, and, and 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 you know that's why Paul says run the race. Yeah, you know when you're in a race, what do you got to do, man? You know the the lo- the farther you get into the race, does it get easier or harder? Definitely harder. Right, that's why people quit the race because mm-hmm. it just gets too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's the, yeah. Listen, listen. Can I just ask this question seriously? What if Jesus woke up on that day, and after they hit him a few times in the face, said, "You know what, man? This hurts. It's too much. This is this is just too hard, man. Not worth it. It's just not worth it." Mm. No. Yeah. Then he got scourged. Mm-hmm. What, if, what if at that point he just said, you know what? <laughs> this is too much. I'm done. No. Then he carried a cross three, three miles up Golgotha that he couldn't even bear it because he was so beaten down mm-hmm. that somebody else had to help him. Mm-hmm. What if he quit right there? What, what, no. Mm-hmm. Then he took it all the way and he nailed it to a cross. Amen. He got nailed to a cross. I mean, just I mean, he's the Lord. He could have stopped that at any moment. Yeah. Do you, you understand? Rome wasn't in control. Rome didn't take his life. He laid it down. He could have stopped that at any moment. You know, and it's because of that that we are to lay our lives down willingly for him um, to die to self. Not only can we do that, but we ought to because there was nothing that he withheld from us in offering us salvation and and here we are. Well, yeah, I know. I know I'm called to this, but and I know I should be doing that, and I should stop this and, and change this and that. But um, man, it's just too hard. Man, I, I just love this too much, or I'm just too, you know. I'll do it later, or I'll, you know, some other time, or, or someone else can do that, or you know, whatever. And it, you know, we've made a clear line in the sand, and we said this, this is about what what you're worth, Lord. Mm-hmm. This is about. About as much as I, I I appreciate your sacrifice, and you know that's what you're going to get from me. Well, I think that 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 speaks to exactly what Paul was saying in Romans twelve one and two. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there you go, right there. I mean, he he flat out says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice." What's he What's he talking about? He's talking about the tabernacle at that altar. Put your yeah, Jesus was on that altar. Now put your body on that altar. Sacrifice yourself on that altar, Galatians 2.20, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he says, these sacrifices have to be holy and acceptable to God. Listen, you go back into that tabernacle, okay? Did, were, were there people that brought unholy sacrifices before the Lord? Mm. And what happened when you brought mm. an unholy sacrifice before the Lord? Mm-hmm. What happened when you offered strange incense to the Lord? Sure. I'm just asking, what happened? Yeah, he, he didn't just take it. He didn't accept it. No. Um, to the point that yeah. in the Old Testament, these people died. Correct. That's how serious God takes this, man. Why don't we take it seriously? Mm-hmm. God is very serious about his holiness. Yeah. God is very, I will not give, I will not share my glory with another. Yeah. Do you think he's not serious about his glory? And if we would get to the point where we judge ourselves with that, Second Corinthians thirteen five. Yes, then our judgment at his judgment seat is going to go a lot better. We could judge ourselves now and get these things in order, if you will, yep. and get, get ourselves together. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to stink. It's going to be like somebody's taking a knife and ripping our heart. Well, yeah. You do want somebody to take a knife and rip your heart out because your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. You want that sword, Hebrews yeah. 4, 12, and 13, to rip out that old heart, cut yeah. it out, 
so yeah. that God can put his heart in you so you can get into that glorification phase of the tabernacle mm-hmm. and your heart's now beating for what he wants. So you're not conformed to this world. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not falling into the things of this world. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Remember that word prove? Remember what God said in the old Testament? Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. What? Well, will of God. Mm-hmm. See, I, I just don't think man, that there's a lot of people that really even know what the will of God is. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they can't prove it. And because you can't prove it, you don't know what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, but, but listen, you know, when you look at things like that, where it says, you know, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Well, again, that means there can be unacceptable sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Right? When it says that to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, well, that means there is unacceptable things to God, right? Study to show thyself worthy and approved unto God. Well, that means you cannot study and be not approved. Like, look at the opposite. Why are these statements being made? Because you can do the opposite as well. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is a damning thing. Mm-hmm. It's a bad thing. Yeah. And so I would much rather judge myself by his word and get some things in order than be judged by his word and, and not have had them in order um, by that time. But I would like to go uh, where um, where we were in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Frank, and just look at, ask you a question there about verse 50, uh, where we, you alluded to this, you touched on it, um, but uh, maybe since we're talking about glorification, maybe we can kind of unpack this a little bit more and compare some scripture here where he says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And uh, you briefly uh, made a distinction uh, as you were talking, then kind of went on. But but maybe since we're talking about glorification, let's talk about the, the difference there. Uh, what, what is he saying when, when he says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Um, why is that, and what can inherit the kingdom of God? Well, that's a packed question. I know it is. <laughs> and honestly, we probably could do a whole episode on that question. But I'll say this. Think about what the blood represents. Uh, the blood of, of Christ, number one, uh, represents uh, the, the cleansing, uh, the saving power as the, uh, the Passover, right? It's the reason why his blood needed to be shed because it was the perfect blood we we have corrupted blood running through our veins blood's the reason why we're going to die okay medically that is true uh leviticus 17 11 says that for the life of the flesh is in the blood mm-hmm. and i've given it to you on the altar for what the atonement of your souls it says right um so so blood is is a corruption to begin with okay what pumps Blood through your body. Oh, your heart. Okay. So therefore, hence the reason why Jeremiah 17 says, your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why? Because it's pumping dead blood through your body. Blood is the, blood is the reason why you're living, but do you know why you're growing old? Oh, it's the same reason. It's because of your blood. Yeah. Your blood's the one that's causing your body to grow old. Okay. And, and ultimately, it's going to lead to your death. Okay. 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 So go back to that tabernacle now. Right? What? <laughs> I mean, look, look, look how awesome God is. What does he require you to do at the, at the altar of sacrifice? You take the animal, you, you bring it to the altar of sacrifice, and you do what? You kill it. And what? Shed his blood. Not only do you shed his blood... What else has to, is happening at that altar with the blood? It's being sprinkled. And it's draining mm-hmm. into a basin. You're draining the blood out of the animal. Think about that for a minute. And do you know what he's told to do with the blood? Now, there is one. There is times where you're supposed to sprinkle it. But what else? He's told to take that blood outside the camp. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So what does that, from a, okay, what does that spiritually mean to us? 
Listen, before you ever enter that tabernacle, you better drain yourself of your corrupted blood. And you better put on Christ's blood. You follow? Mm-hmm. In other words, don't enter that tabernacle mm-hmm. without the blood of Christ on you. Yeah, amen. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a, and so it, it, let me ask you this. Is the kingdom of God... Okay, what does what does uh what is Romans fourteen? Uh, gosh, what is that? Verse twelve, I think, when he says that and, and, and it's not meat and, and righteousness. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember. I think it's Romans fourteen. No, I don't. I don't think I see that there. Well, he's, uh, well, he says the kingdom of God is neither here nor there. Correct. He says right. Jesus says, but it's in it's in you. Correct. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Think about this for a second. On the day of justification, no doubt God has laid the groundwork for his spirit to now work in you. Mm-hmm. He, he, okay. So you get day, the day of justification, he enters into you, and now you are sealed into the day of redemption. However, when the Holy uh, Spirit moves inside of you, are you now all of a sudden functioning as you're walking in the spirit? No. No. That requires something. That's why you got to go to the labor of washing. That's why you got to go into the tabernacle and go light the, the candle sick. Remember sure. Remember how we talked about that last, last time? Definitely. Okay. Okay. So think about this for a second, right? You got to drain that blood. <laughs> get rid of that old corrupted blood. Go get washed. Go allow God to... Uh, walk in the spirit, okay. And what what's what's happening in all of that? God's taking out your old heart, and He's putting in His heart, so that now it can start pumping for Him, right? Where does this take place? Well, in the tabernacle, it takes place in the tabernacle, not in the courtyard. It takes place in the tabernacle, where you start to pump your heart blood for Him. That's where you're learning to do it. Mm-hmm. You're walking by the Spirit. Sanctification. Sanctification. Right. Now, when he says, flesh and blood doesn't inherit the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. can you see the kingdom of God in your natural state? Of course not. What does Jesus say? John chapter 3. All right. Okay. You, must be you can again. only see the kingdom of God when you allow the spirit of God mm-hmm. to... So, can a justified person still be saved, yet not be able to see the things of the kingdom of God? Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's what grieving the spirit's all about. Okay. Yeah, you were supposed to go from here to here, and you never did. You sat in the wilderness for the next forty years. Like the, see, God was trying to bring those Israel. He delivered them. Did he deliver them? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to get them to the place of joy and rest. Where's that? The promised land, that, 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 that would be the holy of holies. <laughs> he was trying to get them there, mm. but on their path of getting there, what did they do? They murmured. They committed idolatry. They committed, they're tempting Christ. I mean, what does Paul lays it all out? Does that mean they're not saved? No. But what it does mean, that's as far as they ever got. They never were able to get to where God wanted them to go because they were too busy. What is murmuring? Mm-hmm. It's all about self. What is idolatry? Well, I, right? So sorry, they were tempting Christ. Christ gave us these things, and we just blew them in the wind. Yeah. Right? So when you talk about inheriting the kingdom of God, this is why a, a quote-unquote person uh, who is uh, truly is saved but not acting the part, uh, they can't, they, they, they're going to continue to appear as if they're living in the flesh. Mm. You know? Uh, so I think that's what it's talking about. Okay. So so there is a, a biblical distinction, too, between the phrase flesh and blood and flesh and bone. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so um, we talked about Adam earlier, the first Adam. And before the fall in Genesis 3, um, he was a son of God. Luke chapter 3 makes that very clear. And verse 3, verse 38. Correct. And so if... He was a spiritual being, so does does would that mean that the physical, a physical being has flesh and blood, and a spiritual being has flesh and bone? Absolutely. Okay. Right. So if you go back to Genesis, uh, and you go into the first uh, uh, two chapters, 
uh, how was Adam made? I mean, he when, when, when he made Eve, it says, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. Correct. He's flesh and bone. Okay, so what happened? What, what, when, 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 ate, when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, what happened? Well, I think if we compare Scripture with Scripture, and we certainly don't have the time to go through all this right now, but maybe so whet some people's appetites and start thinking about this stuff, what happened is uh, uh, blood started to course through their bodies. And, and blood uh, is the corruption of your body. Blood is the reason why you're going to die. Mm-hmm. So if the curse announcement against Adam was dust to dust, well, what was it that Adam got, got within him that is going to cause him to die now? It's that blood. Why did Jesus have to shed his blood to fix the curse? Mm-hmm. It had to be, because here's the thing. You know, uh, it's an interesting little deal, right? We often think of genealogies, and we wonder, you know, you ever wonder why all the genealogies, and, and especially in the Bible, they're always by the male? Mm-hmm, sure. Right, why? Well, well, let me tell you, God doesn't do that by accident. There is a reason why. Because here's the thing. When a male and a female have uh, sexual intercourse, and they conceive a baby, okay, the blood that that baby receives doesn't come from the mom. Yeah. You would think it does, but it, matter of fact, throughout the whole pregnancy, the mother's blood never touches the baby. Mm. I think that is fascinating. It's amazing. Okay. Where did it come from? It come from the man. Father. Okay. So start, start playing with those implications real quick, and you understand why it had to be a virgin birth. Correct. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, but that's 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 neither here nor there. But but yeah, what what Adam what ha- a- happened to Adam is as soon as he ate of that fruit, and by the way, it wasn't an apple. Okay, yeah. uh, I think we could I think we could uh, clearly clearly show that the fruit that they ate of was the was the uh, the grapes of the vine, mm. uh, and grapes and throughout all the Bible represents blood. That'd be a cool episode to do sometime. Yeah, and, and by the way, when Jesus returns, he. Trodens the wine press. I wonder what's going on there. Well, there's, there's, he's tramping on he's trampling on the corrupted blood of man. That's what he's doing. Mm. That's what he's you know. Uh, anyways, um, so yes, uh, man, you're you're bringing us into a whole yeah another. <laughs> and, and so so just just I'm trying to put this in the glorification um, understanding because that would mean for our salvation, our justification. Um, Though we obviously still have physical blood because we're still in the flesh. No. Correct. Now, at that glorification stage, we will not because we no longer, spiritually speaking, have our own blood, if we could say it that way. We have the blood of Christ coursing through us, If again, from a, from a spiritual standpoint. We'll be flesh and bone. Yeah. We'll be like he is. When Jesus resurrected from the from the dead, what does it say? Does it say I'm flesh and blood or do you say I'm flesh and bone? Correct. It says flesh. I'm flesh and bone. Yeah. Why? Why does he say that? Mm. You know, another interesting thing is, is when Jesus resurrected from the dead, uh, why, you know, you ever, you ever wonder why he looks at uh, Mary and says, don't touch me? Yes. Yeah. wonder what that's all about. Mm. That's about this glorification thing we're talking about. So he had to, while we're on that, just real quick, he had to present himself to the Father yeah. as the sacrifice, um, and, and he could not be touched by yeah. human hands. Right. Until, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Man. So, uh, you know, what I love about the Bible if if we would just stop and just really take it in for what it what what it is, God is a master picture painter, and and nothing is put there by accident. Every design that He's ever propagated is all there, man, through His pictures, and He just doesn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. And once you start to see it through his eyes and you start to understand what it is he's trying to say uh, through through uh, through this over here, we'll say, right, then over here starts to make a whole lot more sense. He's just a master painter. Uh, listen, if you're listening right now, man, I, I just encourage you with everything I have. The things that we are talking about, the, the things that we are uh, – uh, um, Pushing uh, as as important. The reason why we're saying they are important is because of this tabernacle. 
Okay. And although the tabernacle physically was to Israel in the Old Testament, do understand that that tabernacle in the New Testament is in us. Mm. And so therefore, I would I would suggest, uh, if I may, that ma- that makes it even more important to understand. It makes it even more critical uh, to uh, p- put our our brains around uh, because it's in us. And the only way it's going to work, the way it was meant to work, is if we understand it. Yeah. And I just, man, I'm telling you, man, I, I, I just unfortunately would say, I'm not sure a whole lot of people understand it. Yeah. And as we're talking about that, that flesh and blood and flesh and bone, I'm just reminded, and you, I love that you went to uh, Leviticus 17, 11, because this is why the blood is so important in the gospel message. Oh, no doubt. I mean, if, if you're listening, uh, then I, I hope you're getting that because the blood of Christ is being removed from the church today. Uh, maybe not at yours, uh, but but then again, maybe it is. It's being removed from the message of the gospel, and we don't talk about those things much anymore. And it's been a subtle, gradual change, but it's a very real, very real thing indeed. And these are these things that we're discussing in this episode and in the previous. This is why. The, the blood of Christ is so important and keeping the blood in the message. And, and further, this is why having the right Bible is so important because a lot of the Bibles, this is one of the ways that this happens, a lot mm-hmm. of the Bibles today are removing words like blood. And the things that we're doing in these episodes here at The Revealing, we're tracking through a King James Bible, and you can't do that in yeah. in many most if not all of the the modern versions that are out there today because the words have been removed and they are changed or added and and God has some stern warnings on that and we can talk about that another time but pastor Frank is there anything else that we wanted to touch on before we kind of um yeah I think the last thing I would want to say is you know as we finish up this uh discussion on glorification uh just to kind of the to, to stamp put our stamp of approval if you will, uh, on, you know, the importance of all this, you know, in John 17, uh, Jesus, uh, before his crucifixion, uh, he comes before the father and he has a, a pretty awesome prayer that he lifts up to him that, um, man, gosh, if if we're going to call something the Lord's prayer, uh, I would say it's, it's John 17 because he's praying for, his disciples, and he's praying for he's praying for us in this yeah, passage, right. which is awesome. Um, you know, and 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 in that passage, um, he talks about uh, this work that he's come to do. Uh, you know, he he, he says uh, verse four and seventeen, verse four. He says, "I have glorified." There's that word, glorified. Mm. Thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Well, what was the work that he he was to do? Well, verse 6 says, I have manifested thy name uh, and, and to the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Uh, well, when he manifests his name, right, go ye therefore and, 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 and uh, to all nations and, 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 and baptize them in the name of the Father. You know, it, that's the win stage. Mm. When you manifest the name of Christ because there's no other name among heaven whereby we must be saved. Amen. Manifesting his name is what leads to salvation. Right? And then in verse 8, he says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And know surely they came out from thee, and they have believed. There's that believe and receive. There's your discipleship process. There's your building up. There's your sanctification stage, right? When you manifest his name, that's your justification stage. When you, when you go through that building process, that's your sanctification phase. And then, of course, in verse 18, it says, And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. There's that send. That, 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 and sending them to do what? Go do the same. Why? why, why what is Jesus talking about all here? Well, go back to verse number uh, uh, one. It says, These words Jesus spoke and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may be glorified thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. 
and this is life eternal, that they may know the the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me. Win, justification, build, sanctification, send, glorification. When you send somebody else to do what? Remember John 15? Yeah. Bear fruit. This is the only way God gets glorified. And when we're discussing this glorification, let's be very, very careful that we don't mix the lines between our glorification and his glory, that he is to be glorified. Mm. Because our glorification is only as good as what we did and allowed him to do in and through us in the here and now to glorify him now so that when we're with him, his glorification then will be that much more present. I don't want to lose that in this understanding of glorification. It's, it, it is vital and it really is that important. Yeah. Wow. Amen. So, uh, I think like every episode, um, I think we may have packed a punch in this one, uh, but that is not a bad thing. I, I definitely uh, do not complain about that. Um, so if you need to go through some of these things again, we hope you'll do that. That's the benefit of having these recorded. Uh, but um, I think this was a good ending to uh, not just our glorification uh, discussion, but again, uh, that of, of salvation, biblical salvation. So uh, we are grateful for you hanging out with us, and we look forward to uh, you doing the same next week. Um, but until then, take care. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world or email us info at onebaptistjacks.world.